Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Pulling Tar Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I love to hear your thoughts, comments, and ideas on how to make the Pulling Tar Podcast better and keep you all engaged. You can find me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That's where you can reach out to me about coming on as a guest as well. After you're done enjoying this episode, your homework for this week is to share it with your friends. Who, th- who you think would enjoy this content. Please subscribe on whatever you listen to podcasts on and drop a rating and a comment. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Paul Caputo. Paul is a contributing writer to SportsLogos.net, where he really dives into the history of MILB logos. So a little something different for you guys this week. He even wrote a book entitled The Story Behind the Nickname, The Origins of 100 Classic, Contemporary, and Wacky Minor League Baseball Team Names. Paul also runs a Facebook page called Countdown to Spring Training. He's also an extreme ice cream helmet Sunday collector and enthusiast. We will get right back with Paul Caputo right after this break. Paul, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Glad you can make it on. Clearly, you're one of the biggest baseball fans out there. Are you doing okay during this difficult time? Well, first of all, Bobby, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be, to be talking to you. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this, I'm sure. We, we go way back, so uh, uh, there's some, some fun stories there. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's... Uh, in terms, you know, I'm trying to keep a perspective of, you know, there are people going through worse things right now than, than missing baseball, I guess. Absolutely. But, uh, it's hard, right? Like, I mean, we're all we're all grieving the the loss of so many little things in our worlds right now. And, and baseball, baseball is my main diversion, right? It's my, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I talk to my fiance about like, well, imagine if, you know, you didn't have music right now because you put music on in the background all the right. time. And so for me, that's baseball. You know, I put I come home and I put baseball on at the end of the day, or I you know I get up in the morning and I read about last night's game. And mm-hmm. So so it's definitely you know it's it's a loss that you feel. It's not life and death, and a lot of people are going through life and death things right now. So right. I'm trying to keep it in perspective, but it is very much uh, a big part of my life that is missing right now. Absolutely. I think we can all agree with that. Have you um, come to the point where you're waking up at, I guess it would be for you, 4.30 in the morning to watch to watch baseball in Taiwan? I have watched the, uh, what is it, Chinese Professional Baseball League? Yeah. I've, the CPBL, I've been uh, streaming it on the Twitch app. Yeah, okay. So I, I have watched, I have watched fanless baseball in a language that I cannot understand uh, on on my phone. I was trying to push it to my TV through my phone and I couldn't figure it out. But I, okay. I have sat there with my morning coffee in my boxers and t-shirt and watched baseball on my phone. All right, nice. 
And it's not that they just have no fans. They have, like, wooden fans in, like, yes. in place of real fans, <laughs> which is kind of even a little bit more creepy, I would think. It is creepy. And the, fan, the wooden fans are wearing masks, which is fun, too. Right, right. <laughs> oh, boy. Paul... So we go back a, a while, like you said. Um, yeah. We we met in Beloit, Wisconsin. Yeah. If you kind of want to tell the listeners about that very cold opening day in Beloit, Wisconsin, and how we met. So I used to write a blog, and I'm not going to say the name of the blog uh, on your podcast okay. because I let the I, I let the blog die. Uh, and it was the URL was snatched up by Japanese porn. Oh, and so yeah, so I'm not going to mention the name of it because I don't want to send people. You know, uh, I realize we're all working from home, but it's uh, you know it is a not safe for work website now. Fair enough. But um, <laughs> so I was writing this blog, and I travel uh, for work a fair amount, and mm-hmm. I always I have a certain amount of control over my work travel, and so. One of the things I always try to do is whenever I'm traveling for work, I try to arrange it such that uh, I can go to minor league baseball games and I try to accumulate parks that I've, I've never been to. And back in the days of the blog, one of the things that I really loved about minor league baseball was I was aware that people didn't know who I was. They had never heard of me. I would tell them the name of the blog. It meant nothing to them. Mm-hmm. But minor league baseball professionals were just so accessible to anyone who wanted to write about them. And right. so I would write to people in like in the position that you had at Beloit mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to be in your area. I was about 45 minutes away. I was in Rockford, Illinois. Okay. And, uh, um, and this was 2014. It was April of 2014. The day before, I had been to a Chicago White Sox game and just absolutely froze. It was as cold as I've ever been at a baseball game. Mm-hmm. To that point, until the next night in Beloit. <laughs> So, so I wrote to you and I said, I realize this is crazy. Uh, I write this blog. I just like to interview, you know, minor league baseball professionals and players. And, you know, if you would be so kind as to issue a press credential, I'd love to come up and, and cover, you know, the snappers and to, you know, to, to, to do an interview. And, um, and you, of course, you issued me the credential, and I really appreciated that. And usually, what I try to do is I introduce myself to the uh, to the um, you know the, the the media folks who I'm working with, and then I go out into the stadium and sort of watch the game, you know, from there. Sure. But this night it was so cold. I mean, I don't want to you know exercise too much in hyperbole here, but it was so cold that you could not go outside for any length of time without just starting to shiver. And yes. And, like, you looked out from the press box out onto the stands, and you could see people were all wrapped up in blankets. And, you know, it was, you know, there were maybe one. I think you even did a head count. There was, like, 200 <laughs> people in the stands. Oh, and, that that might be pushing it. it was, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, anyway, it was your first night in this role. Mm-hmm. The previous season, you had worked a different role that yep. wasn't related to, to the media. Right. Um, and one of your responsibilities was you had the computer with all the audio files on it Mm -hmm. and i remember i remember distinctly and you'll you'll probably be able to to recap this one better than i can but every time a foul ball went out of the ballpark you played a a uh sound of a glass breaking 
at, as if it, you know the ball had gone through a car windshield, and you said that foul ball was brought to you by. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember. What Dre- it was. Drevdal Auto Body. <laughs> I love that you remember that. That's great. I well, I've I've had dreams where I've like woken up and like been been saying that. So, <laughs> well, I remember even. I mean, here we were in the second inning of the first game of the season. And you and I had never met before this night, and and you looked at me and you said, "I'm supposed to play that every time there's a foul ball. I'm not playing it more than once in anything." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So, I don't know if they're going to come looking for some sponsor money back from Beloit after hearing that, but um, <laughs> so anyway, as we're getting to you know middle of the sixth inning, you realized you went looking on the computer for the audio file for Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And mm-hmm. you realized with sort of dawning horror, this is one of my absolute favorite baseball stories to tell. <laughs> I, I've been to, you know, hundreds of, of baseball games and, you know, gotten press credentials to probably about 50 different stadiums. Right. This is my absolute favorite story to tell. I love this story so much. So you realize with, with dawning horror, you know, with all of your other responsibilities on this first night in your new role for, mm-hmm. your, for your, the home opener for the Snappers, on this freezing cold night, you start calling around and you, you realize with way too little time to, to, to fix the issue that you and the ticket salesperson had switched computers and the audio file for Take Me Out to the Ball Game was on the other computer. Mm-hmm. And so you radioed down to someone, the on-field guy, and he radioed back up, you're just going to have to sing it. And you're and you said I'm not singing it. I'm not going to sing. Take me out to the ball game. And for whatever reason, I'm just standing there. I'm enjoying the warmth of the press box, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I've never led the crowd and take me out to the ball game before. And you sort of wheeled on me, and you looked like kind of like a little bit like I don't know you. I'm going to give you the microphone. And, but then you also were like, really? <laughs> I'm sing it. So so then you were like, okay. Go ahead and sing it. And so you, uh, you you even introduced me actually by name and with the the name of the block that I was writing oh. for. And you said, "Here's Paul Caputo with," and I'm again not saying the name. And uh, but I was so nervous. I mean, I had sung "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" probably a thousand times in my lifetime. Right? Like mm-hmm. I've been to so many you know baseball games where you stand, you sing it, you don't even think about it, and. I was so nervous I was going to forget the words to take me out to the ball game that I actually called the lyrics up on my phone. And so you gave me the uh, uh, you gave me the microphone and oh you introduced me and then you handed me the microphone and I and you know maybe fifty people who were still left in the stands sang along together mm-hmm. and then your on field guy gave us a big thumbs up and I was I was thrilled to have led a crowd in singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" even if it was only like by then fifty people. So it's it's one of my all time favorite stories getting to tell people how I led the crowd and, and take me out to the ball game. Well, and I'm could, I'm glad I could provide that story for you. Um, yeah, it, as you can imagine, um, in Beloit, things definitely went um, unplanned. Like a lot of things happened that were unplanned. Yeah. In in that stadium, um, and so yeah, there was a lot of computer switching, um, and even though my background was in media, um, 
I had worked in, I was the director of food and beverage the prior year. Uh, so yeah, it was quite the fiasco that night, but I'm glad it worked out the best way it possibly could have. Oh, it totally did. It totally did. Yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, like I said, it's one of my, one of my all time favorite stories to tell. And, you know, and it's a great, um, it, it's a great, uh, small town minor league baseball stadium, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a great I went back there um not much uh not that long ago, probably a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Twenty eighteen I went there. Um and I ended up getting picked out of the crowd to do the mattress race. You know, really? Of those mattresses. Okay. Yeah, so that was so yeah, so I've been to I've been to Beloit twice and both times uh it was a, a memorable experience. And yeah. uh and then I remember uh the player you hooked me up with to interview was Boog Powell. Okay, yeah. And uh, and then that was shortly after he got promoted to the Stockton Ports mm-hmm. and then suspended for 50 games for PEDs. He did, so, yes. Yeah, so that was sort of a, so that was all, that was a, a sort of wild story as well. So it was, uh, you know, it's a great experience. And I really liked Beloit. I really liked, I mean, I'll, I'll be interested to see what their new stadium looks like. But that, uh you know, for 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 small town minor league baseball, you know, sort of community based. Um, I mean, I even really liked the story you told about the the logo because I I interviewed you as well mm-hmm. for SportsLogos.net mm-hmm. uh, about the Snappers logo for this this series that I write uh, the story behind the nickname. Right. And so you and I, you know, we spoke for an hour probably about the snappers logo mm-hmm. and i remember you saying you know and i have i, I should have reread the story before we talked right but it was uh and i remember you saying it's like you know the the general manager's nephew you know or you know something along those lines you know, somebody yeah. related to somebody did an illustration for free and you know and it's like you don't the snappers don't have thousands and thousands of dollars to hire brandiose and you know right. that sort of thing. so mm-hmm. i remember going i remember leaving that game thinking I'm going to design a new logo for the snappers and see how they see if they won that instead. <laughs> yeah. It actually has aged pretty well. I, th- it has. I think, yeah, um, it yeah, you can kind of tell that it's kind of, that it's old, but at the same time, it's, it's not any worse than, you know, the new logos that are coming out, I think. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the mean turtle itself is uh, pretty significant. I sure, would say. Yeah. I think he's, I think it's you know I think it's really it's got a certain sort of kitsch appeal to it mm-hmm. now as well. Like you say, it's uh, um, you know it's very definitely a, you know small town community minor league baseball logo. It's right for us. Right? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Where did your love for minor league baseball team logos come from, Paul? So, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's been an evolving thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are both Philadelphia sports fans. So yep. if you look back to, you know, maybe 2010, 2011, uh, I guess it was, it was 2011 when the Phillies were playing the Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. Phillies, played the, Phillies played the Cardinals in the National League Division Series, um, and that's the series that ended with Ryan Howard's Achilles heel exploding on the final out of the series in the one nothing game. I know it's terrible. Yes. I, you've got your head in your hands. I, I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And I remember that ended a five-year stretch 
of the Phillies winning the National League East, going to the World Series a couple of times, winning the whole thing in 2008. And so, like, my attention as a baseball fan was pretty well consumed by the Phillies at that point. Right. And they got real old and real bad right away. Mm -hmm. Like, 2011 to 2012 was just a complete and utter turnaround. You know, they lost 100 games in 2012. And so my background's in graphic design. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Phillies, you'd be... You'd watch them closely for a month or two into the season, and then at that point, then it just became, you know, you followed the sport because you liked the sport. Right. Um, rather than because your team was doing well. And so it was in 2008 that the Phillies AAA team, which had been the Ottawa Lynx for one year, yeah. moved to Lehigh Valley and became the Lehigh Valley Iron Picks. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the sort of... It wasn't one of the first, but it was an early Brandios logo um, that sort of caught people's eyes. And they were like, hey, this is pretty cool. This like silvery pig, um, yeah. uh, sort of cartoony, sort of badass, right? And and I thought, well, what, you know, what's an iron pig? And visually it appealed to me because, you know, from a graphic design perspective. Right. From a baseball perspective, it appealed to me because they were the Phillies AAA affiliates. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I'll get an Iron Pigs hat. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really interested to me, what interested me was when you look at the story of why they were called the Iron Pigs, they're called the Iron Pigs because the pig iron that they forge in the steel mills of eastern Pennsylvania, you know, grandiose, and, and the Iron Pigs brass there they mm-hmm. just switched they just flipped pig iron and turned it to iron pigs and then extrapolated this sort of me- metallic looking animal logo right out of that and i thought so that's a, you know that's cool that's yeah. a pretty cool story right like about why that team is called what it's called and it was right around the time that the teams started getting just like wackier and wackier and wackier you started seeing like some really outrageous because you had had some wacky names. You had the Montgomery Biscuits, you mm-hmm. had the Albuquerque Isotopes, you had the Carolina Mudcats, you know, you had uh, the Lansing Lugnuts, you know, you had, right. you had a number of these sort of sort of quirky team names from like the 90s and early 2000s. Um, but it was like late, the late 2000s and 2010s when things got started getting really wacky, right? Oh, yeah. Like the sort of extremely goofy names. So, to me... You know, I thought, you know, I was interested in the stories behind the names. Um, at the same time, I was listening to, uh, I think it was Mark Maron's podcast um, about, you know, he would just interview famous people and they uh-huh. would talk about projects they were doing. And he interviewed the guys from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. And on that uh, interview, they they let on basically like that, that the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia started because they were just doing something fun for themselves. They were doing this goofy stuff that they enjoy showing their friends. Right. Well, I thought, I have these friends who have these email threads and text threads that go on and on and on and on. I mean, today I've got 25 texts from my buddies about, like, nothing, right? Like, I'm just all <laughs> yeah. like, just sort of goofy baseball stuff. Um, so I thought, I'm going to just get these guys together, and we're going to take these goofy things that we write to each other and put it in a blog. Okay. And that's where the blog came from. And I thought, what's the thing that I would want to do just for myself, just like the Always Sunny guys? And I was like, minor league baseball logos. I'm curious about the stories behind these minor league baseball logos. And so, as you know, what I started doing 
was calling minor league baseball teams and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm really curious as to why you're called what you're called. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it became, I mean, it was really fascinating to me that every minor league team out there, except for the ones named for their parent clubs, which I think should be constitutionally illegal. I don't think you should be. I agree. To. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. I thought you might. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it just became really interesting to me that um, that every minor league baseball team I talked to, there was something unexpected about it. There was something I didn't right. know about that place that became the you know a part of the story as to what they were called, you know why they were called. Yeah. They were called. Um, and so that was really fascinating to me, right? Like that that really got my interest going. And so that's when I was writing for the blog. You know, I did a few stories. You know. The Las Vegas 51s were one of the early ones mm-hmm. that I did, I'd call them up, and you know, it's, and and so that was that was really fun to me just to start learning these, and it, and I sort of developed this hypothesis that you could learn, you could understand the history of America by understanding why minor league baseball teams were called what they're called, um, and so every week you're absolutely right, yeah, yeah, and it was it was I would love how accessible minor league baseball people were. You know, when I would call them up and they would be like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we've absolutely got someone for you to talk to. Right. Like, right. So, um, so that was, I really enjoyed that a lot. You know, the, um, just the, the, the minor league baseball community, uh, so responsive and, you know, the players, the front office folks, everyone was just generous with their time. Yeah. And, you know, I'd end up having these, uh, even just like a couple days ago. I was on the phone with uh, the guy from um, um, a guy named Taylor Rush from the Missoula Paddleheads. Yeah, and um, we were talking about their uniform unveil. But before I started recording the interview for this article, you know, he and I talked for twenty minutes about like you know working from home and how his kids are doing and you know all right. that. You know, I one of my favorite things about all this has been getting to know people in minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I have found is. The worse the stadium, the more I like the people I meet. <laughs> so thank you. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed meeting you in Beloit. One of my all-time favorite people was this guy Philip Geary, who worked in uh, Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. Um, Bakersfield Blaze, man, that was that's that was as rundown a stadium as you will ever see. It faced the wrong direction. It was one of two professional ballparks in the United States that uh, faced such that the batter was looking into the setting sun oh, <laughs> over nice. the center field wall. Wow. And so every night at sunset, they had to pause the game for 15 minutes to let the sun set over the center field wall because wow. the hitters couldn't see. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. I, yeah. I have worked with somebody that um, was in Bakersfield at one point. Oh, that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you actually know him, Chris Bitters. Oh sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He was the general. He's the general manager for the Shorebirds, and he had yeah. worked. He had worked for um, Bakersfield at one point. So that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That story. I just love that story. I love the, the field was facing the wrong way, <laughs> and then the California League just contracted them. They just you know they they became one of the two new teams in the uh, in the Carolina League. Right, right. Um, to go back to affiliates having um their parent club's team name so growing up most of my life 
I think I was in my early teens when they changed to the cross cutters. But I I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and they were called the Williamsport Cubs. My, you know, up until I was probably 13 or 14, maybe. And to this day, I'm pretty sure my dad still has a Williamsport Cubs seat cushion in his garage. That is amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing thing to have. But I love that. as a marketing person, you think like, why would people do that? Like, why would why would teams do that? Um, yeah. Because especially from, I mean, now you have to worry about social media, but back then, if you're strictly just thinking about merchandise, even right, like, right. why would you have the same logo as the Chicago Cubs? Right. Right. When you can go off the wall with something different. And as crazy as this sounds, I think the answer to that question is that they were not thinking about merchandising. For right. whatever reason, you know, a lot of these teams, like the idea of selling a bunch of, of caps and T-shirts just was not part of their agenda, right? Like right. They, were, they were selling parking and, and tickets, basically. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could, you could buy... You know, you could buy a Richmond Braves T-shirt, but not that many people did. Not as many people as are buying Richmond Flying Squirrels T-shirts. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know why people yeah. really did that, but hey. Yeah. I'm well, not- once they realized though, once they realized how well you could market minor league baseball apparel, it started really taking off. Right. You know, like, I mentioned the um, the Carolina Mudcats. They mm-hmm. were they were one of the early adopters of really like heavily marketing their own merchandise. Okay, and uh, they would they would this was before the internet even right. Mm-hmm. There weren't even online stores. Yeah, and so the Carolina Mudcats bought print ads in the Baseball America magazine, mm-hmm. and they were selling caps. You know, you would you would fill out the you would tear the sheet out of Baseball America, and you would fill out your information on the on this thing, and you would mail it to the Carolina Mudcats. Wow. Yeah. Mudcats. That's that's pretty crazy. I do, I remember hearing um, that the Cubs really preferred to have all their affiliates Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. named after them, and I I think that went by the wayside as years went on, clearly, but I'm I'm glad it did. um, there's a couple of major league teams that do that sort of thing. The, the Cardinals, um, mm-hmm. until very recently, um, the Braves as well. Um, yeah, it, it used to be that like all the Braves teams, except one, I think, were were called the Braves. Yeah, and and now you're starting to see that sort of relax a little bit. But yeah, the Cardinals and the Braves are the two that I sort of associate with. You know, major league teams having. Farm teams, and part of that was because the in in those instances the the major league team actually owned the minor league teams. Yeah, I know. I know the Braves do that for the most part, and I think the Cardinals do that as well for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, can you give a description of the book and where people can find it? Sure. Um, so the book basically, I what I've done is I've sort of aggregated and edited the articles that I was writing for sportslogos.net. There's two versions. There's the print version that has 100 uh, articles in it. Um, I had to limit it to that because if I didn't, it was going to be a $50 book. Um, Mm. And uh, so so I know, yeah, I mean, some some books are $50, right? Right. I 
I didn't want this one to be too expensive. Um, and so, so it's basically a collection of essays. It's a hundred essays, um, that, you know, are maybe, you know, two or three pages each, you know, a thousand to 1500 words, each one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all contain interviews with front office personnel and, um, and the designers, uh, in many cases, the designers, there okay. are, um, there are three firms that I talk to the most, um, Brandios out in San Diego. Sure. Brandios is responsible for, you know, the, the, the significant wave of wacky nicknames there. Oh yeah. They're the guys doing the Jacksonville jumbo shrimp and the El Paso chihuahuas and the, right. um, you know, uh, some of the new ones, the Norwich, uh, sea unicorns. Yes. That sort of thing. So, <laughs> um, and then there's, uh, Dan Simon, Who's who's done just some great work? I love I love his logos. He's done like the Memphis Redbirds mm-hmm. and uh, the Daytona Tortugas, and then uh, this new one, um, the Canapolis Cannonballers. Yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, so he's done some great work. And then uh, Todd Radom, who isn't exclusive to minor league baseball, he's done a lot of work for for the majors, and he's done you know he's done a lot of really high end work as well. Yeah. Uh, but he's got a couple of, of minor league logos. He did the uh, one of my favorites is the Brooklyn Cyclones. Okay, responsible for them. Yeah, uh, he and he worked with the Wichita Wind Surge, who yeah. used to be the world's baby cakes. Um, so you know, I would I would call up the designers as well, and you know, some of these guys I have pretty good relationships with now because I've right. interviewed them so many times. Um, call up the designer, talk to them about their process, the decisions they were making, and the actual physical logo. Um, a lot of times these guys are, are involved in the process of what to call the actual team. Um, Dan Simon, I know was instrumental in the Savannah bananas having their name. Um, so good. It's a, that's a catchy one. I like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a great one. That's, uh, I actually, it's actually one of my favorite articles because there's, there's kind of no story behind it. Like there's, you know, it's because bananas rhymes with Savannah. Right. right. Um, but the story behind like, his process going into like, how do I make this ridiculous name look like a serious logo? Right. Uh, it's a really fun story actually. <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I mean, just talking with, with front office personnel, a lot of times, you know, you'd call up someone and they wouldn't, there wouldn't be anyone there who remembered, you know, right. Recalled that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would put you in touch with some like long retired person and, you know, it is, you'd end up on the phone for an hour with someone who hadn't worked in minor league baseball in 10 years. Right. Um, uh, Guy Gilchrist, the, he's a cartoonist who does the Nancy and Slogo cartoons. Okay. Um, he did both the New Britain Rock Cats, who became the Hartford Yard Goats, mm-hmm. um, and the Portland Sea Dogs. Okay. Which, and, they're, and they're still using his logo today. Wow, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he was a great interview. It was fun to talk to him. Um, the book is also on, um, Kindle. Okay. Um, so you can, uh, and it's much cheaper on Kindle. Right. And there are also, because there's no limitations on the page count, there's 30 more articles in the Kindle version. Okay. So, Perfect. So cheaper and more expansive and also more current. The book was published in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, many of the 30 new articles are for teams that debuted or are about to debut. Okay. Uh, yeah. Very cool. I've I've actually met Todd Radham. Oh yeah, I yeah, okay. yeah. And um, he was actually at a conference that I was at for 
other people that worked in minor league baseball and were doing stuff with video boards and social media and he was a guest speaker there and um we went out for for adult beverages afterwards and he is his his life is just fascinating like i could yeah. listen to him talk all day but yeah. um he's done super bowl logos he's done all-star game logos um he is definitely a legend as far as the graphic design and the logo game, yeah, if you will. Absolutely. And the you know, one of my favorite things about Todd is that you you know, you call him up and you talk to him for half an hour, forty five minutes about these these things he's working on. Mm-hmm. Um and he sounds exactly the same when you're talking to him about like, hey, you know, the, the trip he took to the Jersey Shore as he does when he's on uh, Buster Olney's baseball podcast. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's he his his tone is 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 always the same, and he's another guy who you know you know he's busy. You know he does a lot of high end work, but he's right. always got time for you. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Is there an audio version for the book? No, there isn't. No, I should. Uh, we should collaborate should, on that. There you go. We'll 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 knock it out together. Yeah. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, yeah. And you're probably well versed in uh, in all the microphones and everything with your podcast. Here, yeah. So. Yeah. Right, let's talk about the audio version then. Yeah, we could definitely do that. Nice. Am I in the book is the important yeah, question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Beloit Snappers article is in there and you are uh you are, are featured prominently in the yes. in that article. Yeah. Thank goodness. Woo. Yeah. If for no other reason, go check out my article in and I'm going to read the the book name again. The story right. behind the nickname, the origins of 100 classic contemporary and wacky minor league baseball team names. Go check it out. Get it on Kindle so you can get the full fledged version that's updated. So, Paul, let's compare our top five minor league baseball team logos. I don't. Mine aren't in any particular order. I just okay. picked my my favorite five. Okay. And okay. we'll just we'll just go back and forth. You start first. Okay. So I had to impose some some order on this. Okay. Because um, so I selected mine from the 160 affiliated minor league baseball teams. Okay. Um, As so did I. Okay. So I know that I'm excluding a lot of really good logos for, um, you know, for independent teams, for collegiate mm-hmm. summer level teams. You know, there's there's a lot of great logos out there. I'm aware that I am am excluding them. Okay. So, of the 160 affiliated minor league teams, 134 of them are not named for their parent club. Okay. So. So that's my pool that I'm starting with there. Yep. And so in order to impose some some order on this process, I figure there are, depending on how you look at it, there are five levels of minor league ball. There's rookie, short season. I'm, lump, rumping, I'm lumping the rookie and short season uh, Class A sure. together. Yep. And then you've got single A and Class A advanced, mm-hmm. and then double A and triple A. Okay. So if we're picking our five favorite logos... From those levels, I'm going to pick one each from right. from the runs. So I think what I'll do is I'll start low and work my way up. All right. uh, Mine are primarily double A, I believe. 
You know, I'm not surprised to hear you say that because I think I actually think the best logos in minor league baseball. I think Double A has the highest concentration of great logos yeah. in minor league baseball, uh, and like some of their new ones are, are particularly good. Um, but I, yeah, so I only have one from Double A, and that was maybe my my most difficult choice. The other thing that I will tell you is that this the answer to this question will change depending on the day that you ask me. Okay, so, that's fair. Uh, um, so I would say beginning with um, the, the rookie and short season, um, that my favorite at that level right now is the Hillsboro Hops. Okay, I can dig it. Yeah, they've got the, the sort of personified, the anthropomorphized hops. They're just outside of Portland, Oregon, where the craft brewing industry is, mm-hmm. is big. And they actually, uh, a lot of the agriculture in that area is related to growing hops for beer. And so they've got this great sort of hop-based beery logo. Yep, I, I do enjoy that one. That one's right. good. Um, I'm going to start mine out with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. All right. I, you know, they were definitely off the wall um, when they yeah. when they debuted. And I just love the the shrimp itself is very angry, and their merchandise is incredible. Um, so yeah, yeah, I I just love everything about the logo of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. They've got it. They've got a great brand. And if you were to look at my uh, Twitter page, mm-hmm. um, Count Two Baseball. Yep. Um, the uh, header image on my Twitter page. Is my 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 baseball palooza road trip buddies every year? Uh, I have uh, about eight or nine friends, and I we take a road trip together um, to go to four different minor league parks in four days. Okay. Uh, and my the header on my Twitter page right now is a picture of we were at the Tennessee Smokies, mm-hmm. uh, and we stumbled across. We were apparently staying at the same hotel that the Jumbo Shrimp were staying at. Nice. And so we've got this great picture of all 10 of us in front of the Jumbo Shrimp's uh, bus. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so my my second one is uh, is the, um, the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Okay. Out of the Midwest League. Uh, they've got a great, great logo where the uh, there's a, a baseball bat standing in for an ear of corn, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just uh, it's one of these ones where it's you know that you're like, oh, they're named after corn, but then when you look at the logo, it's a really fun, um, it's a really fun take on it. Yeah, their mascot is um, it's a corn stalk with a baseball head, I believe. Yeah. And I went there for the All-Star game one year, and they just have pictures of the mascot, like, in different poses, kind of all over the concourse. And it was, it was strange, because it could be interpreted as provocative, I I would, I would think. And I, like, I remember I was with one of my buddies, and I was just like, do you think that picture is weird? Because I think it's weird, and he he agreed with me. So <laughs> that's excellent. My next one is, and they've been around for a while. The Montgomery Biscuits. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. It's it's 
literally a biscuit with butter on it with eyes. Um, and I love food, so... It's hard to beat. They, yeah. They they actually launch biscuits into the crowd. They have, like, a, like some teams have... That's awesome. Know, hot dog launch. They have a biscuit launcher, and they, they launch biscuits into the crowd. That is so cool. <laughs> and uh, so fitting, I believe, for Montgomery. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they were one of the... the very early sort of wacky minor league teams. Um, you know, they were they were ahead of their time uh, when it came to this this sort of new era of sea unicorns and mighty muscles and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Um, all right, so mine now, moving on to the Class A Advanced, um, the Daytona Tortugas. Okay. They've got this great sort of like light blue and green. Uh, it's very sort of like beachy feeling. It's not at all intimidating like a sports logo might be, right? Right. Um, so I think, you know, I'm predisposed to liking turtles anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've always enjoyed them. Um, the Daytona Tortugas logo is, is really fun uh, to me. And I, I love the color scheme. I love the logo. And I like the subject of the logo. So, yeah. so number three for me is Daytona Tortugas. All right. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. Number three for me is the Amarillo Sod Poodles. All right, you uh, you really are uh, doubling down on the. the I the am. I am. Was not intended, by the way. I mean, yeah. You're three for three in double A teams. So. Yeah. So the Sod Poodles is what exactly is, is it? It's the I can't remember the name of the animal. It's a prairie dog. It's a prairie dog with yeah. a cowboy hat yeah. and a piece of straw in his mouth. Mm-hmm. And um, he's very intimidating. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just all around the the name. I like the colors as well. Yeah. Um, but yep. yeah, yeah, you got the primary color thing going on there. Yep. And yeah. Um, yeah, and that's uh, – yeah, it was meant to be um, sort of a like an old-school, like – ranch hands name for for sod poodles and they gave him like the, the the white cowboy hat to be like you know the the good guy right like, right they're the good guy <laughs> um so uh two of your first three by the way are brandios okay uh, the jumbo shrimp and uh sod poodles are, are both from brandios right. um i don't know who did the biscuits uh brand it wasn't one of the one of the ones we've talked about okay so um, all right, so my turn. Yep. All right, my fourth one now uh, is uh, is something of a classic: uh, the Portland Sea Dogs. All right. Yeah, that they're is my, a classic now. Yeah, they're my team out of the Double A bracket. I mentioned uh, them earlier when we were talking about Guy Gilchrist, um, and he had sort of a funny story about them. He was saying how that logo—it's it's basically um, a seal uh, holding a bat in its mouth. And, um, you know, giving you sort of like this menacing look. And Guy Gilchrist tells the story of how he got the, the idea for the logo. It's, it's, it's equal parts the San Jose shark, uh-huh. which is holding the, the, the hockey stick in its mouth. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, it had sort of a similar look where it's like looking you right in the eye like the Chicago Bulls. Right. And then the sort of cartoony style that he brought over from Nancy and Slogo. So it's like this sort of wackadoodle combination of, of visual elements um, that I think came together really well, you know. And it's it's one of these ones, it's 
I like because it's it's pretty different from a lot of you know other logos that you see out there. Yeah, it is. It's, it's been around like probably like twenty five years mm-hmm. now, um, and uh, uh, it's really I think sort of stood the test of, of time. And, and also one of my favorite baseball caps is the uh, is the the Sea Dogs. Right. So yeah, so I enjoyed that one. So that's my double A team. All right. You're right. Though. Uh, Double A is amazing. There's so many good logos. Yeah, there definitely is. I I was looking at all of the different leagues, and I was just like, Double A just has the best. That's yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> that's it. My next one is, and I've talked about them on this podcast quite a bit. They've just come up in normal conversation, but the Rocky Mountain vibes. All right. Nice. I. I love it for so many different reasons. Um, number one, uh, the colors are very cool. Uh, it coincides with the Colorado State flag. Um, their mascot's name is Toasty, and yeah. he is a s'more, yeah. uh, which who doesn't love s'mores, number one. Yeah. And um, it pays a certain homage to what is legal in the state of Colorado as well. I so think. listen, I have, I have a funny story about this. Yep. Right? Um, and their uh, their their general manager, his first name is Chris, and I can't remember his last name. I feel bad. Um, is a, a great interview. He's so funny. Um, but he tells this amazing story about how they. So they did a name the team contest. There's been a couple of teams that have done name the team contests, mm-hmm. and then when they did the unveil of which one won the the vote, they unveiled something different from anything that was in the contest. Okay. And so when they had their name the team contest, one of the n- nicknames that the one in fact that won was the um, the Colorado Springs Happy Campers. Okay. Uh, and so the idea was like, you know, you're in Colorado, people, there's this outdoorsy lifestyle there and, you know, everyone loves camping there. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to be, it was either the Colorado Springs Happy Campers or the Rocky Mountain Happy Campers. Now okay. that I say it out loud, it might be Rocky Mountain. Um, so anyway, they were literally weeks away from unveiling their new brand for Rocky Mountain Happy Campers. And the president of minor league baseball calls the team. And says, you can't go with that name. We just discovered that less than an hour away from you, there's a marijuana dispensary by the same name. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, we already knew that. And we didn't think it was an issue. And Miley Baseball wow. was just like, no, you can't do it. And so they're, you know, they're not that far from just like beginning as a team at all, right? Because right. The, the Colorado Springs Sky Sox had moved. There was a whole, you know pinwheel thing going around where like all these different teams had moved and mm-hmm. so they they moved down from Helena and became they, they were the Helena Brewers and they became the Rocky Mountain Vibes um, but they had to like really scramble to come up with a new identity when they couldn't use yeah. happy campers anymore and so they decided that 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 vibe was the feeling that you get when you're camping out there in the Rocky Mountains. And so right. they were able to use all like the peripherals and all the sort of basic branding that they had come up with um, and and stayed the, you know, they and they kept Toasty. They were going to do Toasty was still going to yeah. be their, their mascot. And so, um, but they had to do, they had to do a quick about face. They almost were the happy campers instead of the vibes. Interesting. Huh. 
Alright. Yeah. Well, well, it's my turn, huh? Yep. Alright. So, I think I have to go with, even though, um, you know, we talked about the Iron Pigs a lot, um, my favorite logo at AAA has to be the Albuquerque Isotopes. Okay. Uh, who are named for a Simpsons episode from 2001. They sure are. Uh, um, uh, hungry, hungry Homer, where he's doing a, uh, he's doing a, he's he's on a hunger strike because he's discovered that the Duff Beer Corporation is about to move <laughs> the Springfield Isotopes to Albuquerque, and uh, and they're denying that it's true, and so Homer stages a hunger strike uh, until the team finally reveals that they're going to move to Albuquerque. Wow! Two years later, after the Albuquerque Dukes had left, they get a new team that used to be the Calgary Cannons. And, uh, <laughs> they had to name the team contest and isotopes just won, just like going away. <laughs> and, uh, it's great. They've got all this Simpsons stuff there. They have a sort of, um, loose agreement with the Simpsons that they're allowed to use their sort of branding and identity. Cool. Um, and so they've got, you know, I've got pictures of my kids with the Bart and Lisa statues that they have there. Nice. And so, and they sell Albuquerque Isotope stuff that has a sort of Simpsons feel about it in their team store. And nice. So, um, so yeah, so I really, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, the Isotopes. All right. The, everything about their their team name. Sure, sure. My next one is the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Very nice. Um, Very nice. Again, I like the colors. Thank you. I love the colors: red, white, and blue. Um, and then it's, so my last name's Kuhn, and so the logo shows a raccoon inside of a trash can (laughs) that is a rocket. Yeah. I don't know how it can get much better than that, honestly. It really can. It really can. Like, it's, it's fun. I mean... And it's, uh, yeah, it comes from uh, the, in the northern Alabama, there, the aeronautics industry is a big deal, and so mm-hmm. they wanted to tie into aeronautics. Um, they've got, like, the patriotic red, white, and blue, and the, the reason they uh, told me for the raccoon is that raccoons are clever, like aerospace engineers are clever. Okay. That's where that, right. that's where that team name comes from. Nice. Um, so I don't know if you were aware you were doing this at the time, but you went four for five on logos created by Brandy S. I did not know that. Yeah. But I can live with it. They're they're it's good people over at Brandy S. By, by Brandy S. They're they're great at what they do. They're, yeah. They are. They have revolutionized this industry. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I know I know we worked with them at the Shorebirds for some alternate logos and that kind of okay. stuff. So good yeah. people over at Brandios. Yeah, 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 for sure. For yep. sure. I've, I've only ever spoken with Jason. He's the, mm-hmm. the sort of the public face, uh, with them for me, but they his partner. Casey is, uh, very talented as well. Yeah. Um, so on that note, we'll be right back with Paul Caputo right after this break. Welcome back, Paul. What are your thoughts on the Copa logos? 
Well, so I, I love them. Um, I mean, the, they're... So when you when you look at there, I guess there are ninety two teams that if we have a baseball season this year, there are, there are now ninety two teams mm-hmm. that will be doing Copa logos. Um, I you know I think some of them are just so so clever. Um, I have been to uh, an Albuquerque Isotopes game when they played as the Mariachis, mm-hmm. and okay. they they built that theme into the whole experience. They actually had mariachi bands playing. Um, the Mary, the Albuquerque has won the the Copa, the Fun Cup. They're calling it. Right. Um, they've won this sort of minor league baseball wide uh, competition um, for you know these Spanish language uh, identities. Right. And I think it's. I mean, I think it's a great. I really think it's a terrific um, uh, program to you know expand the game to uh, you know it, obviously. Baseball is already popular in Latin American culture, sure. right? but to expand North American minor league baseball, um, you know, United States and a little bit in Canada, to expand that to in- include the sort of Spanish speaking population and to have these brands that derive from, um, you know, the, the, that are all still meaningful. They all have interesting stories behind them, mm-hmm. um, but stories that might be more meaningful to the Latin American communities, uh, communities, the Spanish speaking communities in these minor league towns. Right. I, from a marketing perspective, I think it's brilliant from a branding perspective. It's, I mean, it's great fun. It gives me a ton to write about. And, oh yeah. You know, these, and, and I think so many of these brands are just, are super, super good, right? Like there, there are some teams out there that, that I wish would adopt their, um, their Spanish language brand over their, you know, their regular brand. Um, I could see so, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so many of these that are just so good. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hugely in favor of it. The only, um, the only problem I have with it is that I'm already poor enough from buying all this minor league baseball stuff. And like, so now basically doubling the amount of right. minor league baseball stuff, you know, and then you add in like the, temporary identities and the food-based identities that all these teams are doing and it's like you know it's uh including your delmarva scrapple Ooh, um, <laughs> yeah the scrapple um, was fun yeah yeah it is totally fun right like, yeah look hyper local and um so yeah but these um you know the i i really enjoy the uh the the copa logos are just you know i, I think they're they're great and and um and another one that I think is actually one of the teams that I think does really a really good job with its promotions is the Fresno Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were one of the early adopters of the food based names. They came up with the Fresno Tacos. Yeah, um, but then they uh, they also had um, the Fresno oh the Lowriders. Yes, that, that was good. Yeah, it was the one Spanish language identity that wasn't actually in Spanish. Right. Um, so you know, I just, I, I just really like the the program, and I, you know, and and I know that a lot of these minor league teams, and you, you know, being inside the industry, you might have a better sense for it than I do. Um, but I know a lot of these teams had a lot of success with mm-hmm. uh, with attendance on those nights. That the, right. The Copa, you know, the teams would do what, like four or five games, yeah, at a time and uh, per season. And the, the the attendance was always through the roof for them. So, yeah, um, um, I don't know if it necessarily affected attendance that much, but I did 
like working um, with the Los Gallos State El Marva uh, logo and um, promoting that. Um, and all of the color schemes are fantastic. They're all bright. They're you know, and it and it pays homage to um, Latin American countries for right. sure. Right. Um, so a yeah, a lot of yeah, sort of like tropical feeling colors. Yep. A lot of very like bright, um, you know, sort of festive colors. Uh, you know that that I think represent the community well, right? Like I mean, mm-hmm. I think that, um, and and you know, some some of them are are really funny, right? Like like the. The ones that are—is uh, it Corpus Christi that has the ones that are like based on flip flops? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think so too on that one. And so uh, the um, the Las Vegas Fifty Ones—they had the Silver Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had that, you know this this old sort of like skeleton who was meant to look like a, a miner. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's just been some some really good ones. There's been a couple of them that are uh, that are based on the. Or, or based on the, like the the wrestling masks. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's the San Antonio is the flying chanclas. Oh uh, yeah, flip flop one. So okay. I, I got that wrong. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of those, and um, I actually have you know I went to a, a Columbus Clippers game last year, and and I bought one of their Copa brand uh, Copa T-shirts instead of the you know the regular Clippers brand. Okay. So, um, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Huge fan. Nice, nice. Where did your love for ice cream helmet Sundays come from? And how many helmets are in your collection? For those of you that don't follow Paul on Twitter, do it. We're we're at the end we'll uh he'll he'll tell us his Twitter handle and where we can find him on social media. But for those of you that do follow him on Twitter, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He has a humongous Ice cream helmet Sunday collection. <laughs> so, um, this is another one of those things where I just maybe it's my obsessive personality, right? Like I just I realized that I had you know a handful of these, and I was like, oh, it'd be fun to get every major league team, right? And so, and that that ended up being fairly easy, right? Like you can find that on eBay. It was twenty bucks to get the whole set, mm-hmm. um, but. I was at Wrigley Field uh, for the 100th anniversary of Wrigley Field. I was there. I was in Chicago on a work trip. Went to Wrigley by myself. um, Got there early because that's what I do. And I got an ice cream with the the 100 years of Wrigley Field emblem uh, on the the helmet. Very cool. And and so I just thought, you know, I was like, this would be a a fun thing to to collect. And this was, you know, eight, nine years ago maybe. Mm -hmm. And uh, it'd be fun to, you know, to, to see how many of these I have and like put them in a little pyramid. And I remember I had, you know, maybe like 10 or 15 of them in here that I just randomly sort of, I wasn't actively collecting them, but I sort of randomly had them. Right. Took a picture and people were like, Hey, that's cool. And, um, so I started every time I went to a game, I would, I would collect them. And then I, you know, decided, okay, I'm just going to bite the bullet. I'm going to buy the set of 30. So then I bought this set of 30. And so then, you know, I that was really when I started ramping up my going around to different minor league parks. The mm-hmm. blog was going on, and this road trip that I do with buddies was happening. And you know, I loved these logos. I loved ice cream, and so it got to the point where I would actively seek out these helmets. You know, I would go if one ice cream stand had them and another one didn't, I would go to the one that that had them. Mm-hmm. 
so eventually what started happening was, you know, I had friends who would go to baseball games. They would, you know, they would see that I had been posting on social media that, that I collected these things. Mm -hmm. They would send them to me. Um, and the really funny thing that happened was that sometimes complete strangers would send them to me. They would see it on Twitter and, you know, they would be like, Hey, what's your address? And I'd be like, well, that's the worst that could happen. So uh, (laughs) give them my address and, you know, lo and behold, 10 helmets would show up in the mail a week later. And it was, uh, you know, it's just, it just became sort of a phenomenon and people just started sending them to me. And, um, and then of course I would collect them myself if I saw them on eBay. Um, and then the other thing that happened was a, uh, a Facebook group started of people who collect these. And so, oh, wow. yeah. So when we have like duplicates and whatnot, we'll trade them with each other. And, and, uh, nice. so a lot of my helmets have, have come through, through those avenues. And so, okay. um, there are some white whales out there that uh, that that I'd love to have sometime, but uh, I haven't seen them yet. Okay. Haven't, they haven't become available to me yet. So, All right. um, so but it's funny. There's you know there's a handful of us out there who are collecting these things, and they're they're sort of fun and funny. And uh, you know, I I uh, I had a friend tell me if I ever end up single again, that the first thing I need to do when I uh, you know take take a woman out on a date is to show her the helmet Sunday collection. If you, if she doesn't run it's away, a make or break deal. I exactly, understand. Exactly. Yeah. If she doesn't run away screaming, then yeah, then you can proceed. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. What are your top three ice cream helmet Sundays, and what makes them different than the rest? All right. Um. So, I really like. Uh, there's one that I have that is from. We were just talking about the Copa. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the Eugene Emeralds mm-hmm. um, have a, a Copa identity that is the the Eugene. They're the. And I'm not going to attempt the Spanish. It's not my thing. I'm not good <laughs> at it, so I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to do that to the Spanish language. But um, they're basically the Eugene Monarchs, like Monarch Butterflies. Okay. Um, and they've got this amazing, very colorful butterfly-based. Uh, logo mm-hmm. um, that you know that's sort of in the, the the Copa colors, and so I've got a helmet with that on it All right. that I really like. Um, and then um, uh, another one that I really like is just because it's a different color from any other helmet that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the helmet from the Asheville Tourists. Okay, like their moon based logo, but it's this sort of like tealish blue that that i don't it's not on i don't have that same color on, on any other helmet um i also particularly like that one because i got it in person uh at mccormick field when i went to a, a nashville game nice um so that was good and then i have to say that probably what is ultimately uh, i didn't realize it at the time the very first helmet in the collection uh retro maroon phillies uh 70s slash 80s, you know, the the old Mike Schmidt, Steve Carlton, Tug McGraw, Phillies look. Okay. Uh, You know, just it's uh, it's got sentimental value and it's a great, you know, 70s and 80s Major League Baseball logo. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, just just because I know I I was a kid eating ice cream out of that at Veterans Stadium all those years ago. So So clearly it's more of the helmet themselves, but... Is there are there any particular ice cream sundays that stand yeah. out in your mind? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So when it comes to soft serve, I actually have to say the Phillies do a great soft serve. Okay. Um, but the very best sort of regular size, you know, the best ice cream I've had without just there's a bunch out there that are sort of known for just being enormous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like 24 scoops in a head-sized helmet, and like so, it's <laughs> like there's there's a lot of that out there. But um, the very best ice cream I've had in an, in an ice cream helmet was at the Akron Rubber Ducks. All right, um, they had this you know it's hard ice cream that they scooped like a regular ice cream shop would, and they had all these like really sort of amazing flavors from this local ice cream shop. Okay, and, uh, and that was just last year that I went there. But I remember sitting there thinking like, man, this is this is great ice cream. This is really good ice cream. So, <laughs> nice. I, I would, I have to say active rubber ducks on that one. Okay. I, you'll appreciate this. I have a, um, actual size Milwaukee Brewers, um, helmet. And it was, it wasn't ice cream. It was nachos. Okay. And the, I went to the stand and I think it was, for that size, it was you know it it was only a difference of like three dollars or something like that from the next size down. And I was like, you know what, let's just do it. And I I will be the first to say that I'm a pretty big eater. Um, I don't I don't get full easily. But this I was with my buddies that I was working with in Beloit, and I got about like halfway through it, and I was just like. Guys, I don't know if I can do it. Like, and they're like, "Well, you can't just throw it out, you know. You got to take the helmet home." And I was hurting. It was, but it they were the best nachos I've ever had. It was. I know it was beef and uh, chicken and buffalo chicken and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was. They were really good nachos, but yes, I still use the helmet like to put like my keys and my wallet nice. and stuff in. Nice. Yeah, so I, I've got some duplicates sort of scattered around the house, you know, serving various functions. And I've got a uh, it's actually a size I hadn't seen before. There's because I think of them as like the ice cream size, and then like the you know the popcorn size, which is the bigger sort of head sized one, right? And then in between those two is maybe sort of like the nachos or, um, you know, or you, you know, other things that you can get in them, um, just slightly bigger than the regular ice cream size. But the Rockies did one where they did these tater tots. Ooh. Um, yeah, they did tater tots in a helmet, and it was actually sort of a three-quarter size helmet um, nice. that I had never seen before. And so that one now is holding batteries in my, uh, okay. my utility car. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Pardon my dog here. He's very invasive and wants to know what's going on so dog is great he's yeah. a good boy i yeah. can tell he is he is very good yeah until he's bad but nah, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> so when baseball season finally starts yeah what teams are on your list to visit this year okay um so i had uh a uh, a minor league so the baseball palooza, which I have mentioned, mm-hmm. um, is you know nine or ten of us from the University of Richmond. Okay. Um, we uh, we do a trip every year uh, where we pick a different part of the country and we see four games in four days. Um, this year we were going to do the Pacific Northwest. All right. So we were going to see the Tacoma Rainiers, the uh, the Hillsboro Hops, 
the Eugene Emeralds and the Vancouver Canadians. Okay. Um, and so, uh, so that, that, you know, whenever baseball starts, whether it's this year or next, uh, those teams are all high on my list. I, I've been to Tacoma, but I've not seen the others. Uh, and we've never gone to Canada on baseball palooza. Nice. So, going international. Exactly. I like it. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, and then I also, my son just turned 16 and he and I were planning a road trip, um, where we're going to drive from Fort Collins to, we were going to, we're going to go basically from here to Minneapolis and back. Okay. And we were going to see on the way, we were going to see the collegiate summer league team called the Fremont Moo. Mm-hmm. They're near Omaha, um, based on cows, right? Yeah. Uh, and then we were going to get to St. Paul and see the St. Paul Saints. And right across the river, the Minneapolis, the Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the way back, we were going to see the Omaha Storm Chasers. Okay. That so, sounds fun. So I think that would be a great road trip. Uh, and then his, you know, Joel's granddad was going to come with us too. So it was just going to be like a, a boys trip. Okay. Very um, cool. I also, uh, high on my list, you know, because it's driving distance from here, roughly, it'd be about seven hours of pretty easy driving, the sod boodles, your sod boodles. Yes. Um, that would be a pretty easy one to get to as well. And then uh, the Wichita Wind Surge is another one I want to get to. And yes. um, Todd Radom and I were actually talking about when um, when that happens, you know, he's going to be on hand, uh, most likely, depending on schedules now, I guess, but mm-hmm. he's going to be on hand for their unveiling. Uh, of the you know the for their opening day so, very cool uh, one possibility would be to meet Todd there for the first time in person nice so, uh, so there's that's about 10 teams right there uh, Minnesota would be a new major league park for me mm-hmm. uh, I've gotten I've been to I think I think it's 18 of the current parks um, no, no no I've been to 20 of the current parks and eight defunct parks okay uh, so I need I need ten more current parks, uh, but I have I have twenty eight total, counting my defunct ones. So Minnesota would be a new major league park for me. All right, and where can our listeners find you on social media? You're all over the place on social media, I know, but <laughs> but yeah, where can our listeners find you? The the biggest ones, uh, the the one I'm probably most active on is the the Twitter account um, count to baseball. That's the number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I'm just sort of going on about a lot of, uh, um, you know, a lot of my Helmet Sunday things and minor league baseball logo things in particular and documenting my trips and that sort of thing. Um, so that's probably, you know, for any baseball fan who is interested in, in the sort of goofy stuff that I cover um, and, you know, and then the stuff that I'm writing for sportslogos.net. Right. Of course, you should, you should follow sportslogos.net as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then on Facebook, uh, I have a Facebook page called Countdown to Spring Training, where we talked about it earlier during the off season. I just literally count the days until spring training starts. <laughs> That's great, great. Yeah, it's fun. It's and it's a lot of you know baseball loving people out there who really have a good time with it. Oh yeah, for sure. So you said you've traveled around quite a bit um for work and you visit all kinds of different baseball stadiums and go to all kinds of different games in all your years of traveling going to baseball games what has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song that you've heard and who was who the player <laughs> so actually it was at the lakewood blue claws okay and 
Ah, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name of the players. He's out of baseball. He was a he was a high draft pick for the Phillies, and he didn't pan out. Uh, as you are well familiar, mm-hmm. there's a number of those. Um, but as a as a joke, the team had decided, even though he had picked a walk up song as a joke, the team had decided that they were going to play "Let It Go" from Frozen every time he batted. Wow. And I have to say that that's my 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 favorite and most memorable walk up song was being at the Lakewood Blue Claws and uh, and seeing God I wish I could remember his name big dude I interviewed him after the game and I can't this was probably seven or eight years ago and I can't remember his name it wasn't Larry Green was it it was Larry Green with an E on the end of Green. yes and I remember <laughs> I remember his name. I was trying to picture his name but it's amazing that you came up with that actually yeah. Um, and I remember that his his lock he was at his locker, and they had spelled green wrong. Mm-hmm. They had spelled it without the e on the end. And I said, did, "Did you tell the team that they spelled your name wrong?" He says, "Yeah." And he says, "You know, they 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 tried to fix it." I said, like, "What do you mean they tried to fix it? It's still spelled wrong." Oh my god! He's like, "Yeah, it happens." And so yeah, so he was one of these like supposed five tool players who was going to be the next mm-hmm. big thing for the Phillies. And the Blue Claws can't spell his name right, and they were playing "Let It Go" for him. <laughs> wow, I I know Larry Green um, because he was on the Williamsport Crosscutters when I was an intern there. Wow! And okay. so so him and I like he was actually what he would have been three or four years younger than me because I had just graduated from college. But yeah. but yeah, I I do rem- remember him being a very large human being, yep. and he yep. did not pan out the way that he you know the uh, way the Phillies thought he was going to. Yeah. So wow, I'm surprised I put together the pieces there. That but. was pretty amazing. I knew, the fact that you pulled that was pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well we'll we'll close out this episode with uh, let it go. All right, we'll close we'll close it out with that, and um, just thank you so much for taking the time, Paul, to come on to the Pulling Tart podcast and uh, share on social media and with all your friends that you think would be interested. Oh, absolutely! I'll make a big deal out of this when it comes out. I can't wait. All right, thank you so much, Paul. I really appreciate it. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.